As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hour, the Athletics Tuesday National College Football Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Nicole Auerbach. I am thrilled to be joined, as always, by my friend and colleague, Michael Felder from Stadium, and my colleague at The Athletic, Chris Vanini, to break down all the biggest storylines in college football this week in an hour or less. As a reminder, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review The Andy Staples Show and Friends. Give us five stars, please, because much like Ari Wasserman's favorite recruits, we want to make an immediate impact. And guys, we made it. We made it through the regular season, conference championship weekend. We have a playoff, and we have a million other things going on. Chris, are you alive? Are you awake? Are you sleeping? Yes, I'm back after a weekend at Cincinnati, a weekend with a feel of uh, fans storming the field, uh, some skyline chili, of course. Did you, did you eat it? Yeah, on the way out. Mm. Yep. Mm. It's very good. Don't listen to the haters. Um, and yeah, that on top of coaching changes, which is dominating everything right now. Heisman finalists are out. We're done with games, and that's kind of a, a kind of a weight off of everyone's shoulders, I think, but there's still a lot going on. Uh, Felder, I saw your reaction. Have you ever had the Skyline Chili? No. No. I don't... It's I it is this isn't a like I just I don't I don't particularly cotton to food from Ohio in general. <laughs> so it is what like I just I can't envision myself in a situation where I would have have what I would have it. I, I think I, I've been to, I've been to Cincinnati many times and I just have not actively sought it out. I don't I I don't think I would like it and I'm not sure I need to try it. Well it's just a Coney dog. I mean that's what I get. I mean, surely you've had one of those right nicole you you were in michigan for a number of years yeah but i don't know i mean it just never came up no listen i'm from north carolina i eat a, listen i love a chili slaw dog yeah okay absolutely love a chili slaw dog i've never had a coney my wife tells me all this she's like oh yeah and there was a coney on the corner and then we went to the coney and i was like i don't know what that means oh they, coney no, island that's in new york are, that's all they talk about when you're in, in the state of michigan it's like coney this coney that like when i when i lived in dc they named a bar after the coney like it's 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 such a big thing but chris, chris like 
if you don't grow up in Michigan, you're not really around them that much. Yeah, I've learned that since I moved to Texas. It's basically a Coney Island is just a diner, you know, yes. and then a Coney dog is a is chili on a hot dog. So it's it's um they have some of the most famous uh, spots in the world in downtown Detroit in uh, National and Lafayette. So next time you're there, Felder, I'd recommend you check that out. Can't imagine another next time that I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris survived Skyline Chili and a field storm. Um, to only to come back to the mess that is Miami. So so let's start there because this is the first podcast on the feed since all of the craziness went official. Um, it was a, basically a two-part press release from Miami. First part is that Manny Diaz no longer the head coach. Second part, Mario Cristobal is the Miami head coach. So this officially happened on Monday. But Chris, can you just walk us through... I guess how we got here. I, you know, I mean, all season long, we knew Manny Diaz was on a hot seat, but obviously this really accelerated since Miami fired its athletic director. What happened? Yeah. I mean, Manny Diaz was on the hot seat all year. Uh, they struggle early in the year, but they bounce back to have a decent season by the end. But as AD gets fired and, and all year, you've wondered, could Mario Cristobal come home? He's from Miami. He played at Miami. Um, but he has a $9 million buyout at Oregon, which took that off the table for a lot of people who follow this because Miami has never spent that much money on football, despite, you know, the glory years of the 80s. I mean, they, they for a long, long time, had the worst among the worst facilities you could find, and they took pride in that. Cristobal took pride in that when he was a player there. So Miami never had the money to pay a coach like that. But then you kind of start to hear that Miami might actually have the money to do something like this. They've had a lot of boosters step up. They've got a lot of money from the hospital system over the last year, and you can probably kind of connect the dots on what that means. Uh, and, and suddenly Miami had the money to pay to buy out Cristobal, to pay him a lot of money, to give him the kind of support that no Miami coach has ever had. And so we got to the weekend where he was trying to make a decision. Manny Diaz is out there recruiting in, in while being out on the ledge. Really bad situation look like for everybody involved. In the end, Mario's coming home, and Manny Diaz got fired, and he's going to get 4 to $8 million, depending on who you ask not to coach. And and now Mario gets introduced today. So this whole thing played out publicly over the weekend. And it was, I can't think of anything. I mean, we've had stuff where, where things are leaking and interest in coaches is leaking. But to have this play out to the point where essentially whoever is making these decisions at Miami because they, they don't have a sitting athletic director at the moment, but they're in conversations with an athletic director, Dan Radakovich at Clemson to, to potentially hire him. But, but you have this unfolding where it's clear. It's, it's literally like our, our colleague Max Olson posted the video um, from, was it, is it Park, Parks and Rec? Parks, Parks and, Rec, and Rec. Where you're saying like, Hey, we're interviewing you. We want to offer you this position. It's that guy's job. You know, like he's he's in the room, he knows what's happening, and it's deeply uncomfortable. Uh I that that was the worst part. I mean, you, you this was all unfolding and it was so clear that what Miami was doing was 
if Mario Cristobal says no, I guess they'd keep Manny Diaz. Yeah, yeah. That, Which imagine he, imagine that you know feeling. Imagine right. feeling empowered as a coach walking around the building after that. Well, again, because the job wasn't open, they didn't fire him until they knew they were going to have Cristobal. So it was just an a really uncomfortable situation. Manny Diaz put out a statement on Monday, and that was like the first thing he said that he did not appreciate how this played out. And um, Felder, I'm curious your thoughts on that because like it's just it was so messy and so public. And I can't think of another scenario that was like this in recent memory. Um, less less miles uh, is the one that comes to mind for me, uh, uh, where they they wanted to fire him, wanted to fire him, wanted to fire him. And then they were like, I guess we're just going to keep him. Uh, Clay Helton also, uh, where it took what would it take two weeks to retain him or let people know they were retaining him. But I think at the end of the day, this one to me, and and I didn't know if I was going to say this or not, but. I think this is John. It could be you, Auerbach. Somebody said, feel free to say this. So I'm just going to say it. Um, I think it was a combination of stupid and uninspiring. Uh, and the stupid part is the way that they handled Manny Diaz. Like, you can't treat people that way. Uh, you can't do that. Like, what makes what makes anyone want to come work for you when you do that? That's That's awful. And uninspiring. Like, who wants to hire a coach that got their brains beat in two of the last three weeks? What's 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 super hype about that? And so that's going to be it's going to be interesting. Like if they win the Pac-12 championship, it's a different thing, right? It's Napier to Florida. It feels good. Okay, this guy's going to come in here and it's going to be inspiring. But they didn't. And the whole idea of toughness that we built up after the Ohio State win was torn down by a team full of guys. Most people don't know who they are with respect to Utah. And that's no disrespect to Utah. But the reality is. Most college football fans do not know who Cam Rising is. They don't know who Taven Thomas is. They don't know Kuthi. They don't know. They don't know a bunch of these dudes. And they kicked your teeth in. And and I I, I said it on Saturday night, like they or Friday night, excuse me. Like Oregon's going to have to shift through. They, they got to sift through their own their own their own crap to find the teeth that that, that Utah kicked down their throat. And and that feels uninspiring to me. Like. What is he going to do? He's going to get on the podium and go, we're going to be a tough football team, just like oh, my know last he's team do that. That, that got their brains beat in. Okay, cool. Um, and by the way, I do want to say this. This is something that, that's been on my docket. I, I don't, I'm not hijacking the show. I do want to just say congratulations to Utah, Utah State, UTSA, Northern Illinois, Louisiana, Cincinnati, Pitt, Baylor, Michigan, Bama. Winning a conference championship is hard, so I want to give them their props. But the, to go back to the, the, the Mario Cristobal thing, I, I just, I, I, again, like this, you, you can hear it in my voice. I hope like it just feels uninspiring. It's a different coach, but he, guess what? You can't use his Nike, his newly formed Nike connections no. there. Can't use those. So that's, that's no, out. I, I don't, th- I don't think useless. the Nike people like him very much anymore now either. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You burned, you've burned the bridge and you can't burn it and turn it into anything. And Okay, have at it. Is he going to bring Joe Moorhead, Chris? Do you no, know? Moorhead's, no, Moorhead's, the, Moorhead's the head coach at Akron now. Like, it, uh. it, it, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I've been part of the group that thinks he has been a bit overrated as a coach, just based on performance on the field. Now he's recruiting top 10, top sure. five classes to Oregon, and if you're Miami, that's the number one thing you're doing because you need 
more talent there. Although, actually, sure. this this last Miami class, 2022, was actually around a top 10 class. Um, but sure. they've been typically in the 15 to 25 range. And so you see Alabama and Clemson and everybody coming into Miami taking out all these players. The first thing Cristobal has to do is to keep a lot of those guys at home. And he's a guy from Miami. So, so that's the talent level is going to go up at Miami. But can he win these big games? is a question we saw it twice with utah he did get the or the ohio state win. he did get the rose bowl a couple years ago but there have been decisions at times uh that have led you to question uh his game day coaching ability it's the same thing with kirby smart to be honest but and, and that's where it comes in you, you're you're spending nine million dollars to buy him out you're giving him an eight million dollar salary you're giving eight million dollars for assistant coaches and you're buying out manny diaz for four to eight million dollars this is it's an obscene amount of money for a guy who hasn't made the college football playoff as basically you were trying to say there michael so um yeah it's a fair question if it's going to work out or not um at the same time i can understand why me fans are excited based on what they've seen over the last 20 years are 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 they mostly just excited that there's that there's money being thrown around that like people think or have thought that Miami should be paying this type of money for their coaches and facilities and all the stuff, but they hadn't actually been doing it. Well, like, that's what, yeah. What it, like so? Like, let's go back a couple months because this was this season, right? Kirk Herbstreet tees off on Miami about their lack of commitment. The president says the president doesn't understand football, right? Essentially, and so this is the president and the boosters countering that. Like, is is that more where? Miami fans are excited about like they're they're doing the things that they've seen other schools do to set themselves up to have a chance I I do wonder if Miami fans should thank Kirk Herbstreet for that public uh humiliation of the commitment to Miami football and if that if that woke anybody up but that's also why this whole thing played out pretty sloppily and in public because you have boosters new boosters who haven't really been involved in college football before, and you don't have an athletic director to keep this all together. So you've got everybody talking to other people about what they want to do and bragging what they think they can do. And Miami Diaz, and especially the assistant coaches are and the players, are, are the ones who hurt the most from this. The, the assistant coaches who don't have a 4 to $8 million buyout, uh, who don't yep, have yep. multi-year contracts and, and staffers and stuff like that. So... Um, yeah, it played out pretty sloppily because this is kind of the college football equivalent of new money uh, in, in, in people who haven't gone through this before. Yeah, it just, it's, like I said, it, ugly, not the way you're supposed to treat, you know, from a professional to professional standpoint. Like, listen, when I got let go at Bleacher Report, guess what? They accidentally put me on a reorg email. You know what they did? They paid me an extra month because they were like, we messed up. That was our fault. We did it bad. So, like with Manny, like what do you like? You have to, you 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 have to, you have to pay him. So that's all the money that you've you, you got to do that. And then obviously you've got to pay the new market. The new coaches' market is insane by itself. We we can all agree on that, correct? Yes. Like it's bananas. And you know, shout out to Mel Tucker who. Didn't think he was going to be the guy that set the market. Chris, is it Mel or is it Jimbo Fisher? Well, Jimbo was first, but we always knew Texas A&M had the money. We kind of viewed them as an outlier in general. Michigan State found a couple billionaires who were willing to pay more for Mel Tucker. 
then you found James Franklin getting a 10-year deal. Then you found uh, Jeff Trailer getting a 10-year deal. Now Mario gets a 10-year deal. Yeah, the market was basically reset largely because of Mel Tucker. And a team that was paying at the kind of level that it was trying to move up into a higher tier, which we hadn't seen before. Is there any reason that these are 10-year deals either? Or is it just like sounds like a round number? I think it sounds like a round number and agents continue to win all of these uh, yes. negotiations. Um, but, you know. These people are idiots. Everybody's scared to do a coach. If you feel like you have the right guy, you're terrified to lose him and you want to feel like you have him locked in as long as you can. And, you know, Franklin and Trailer, uh, you know, they have pretty big buyouts, so they'll be around for another three to four years for sure. But Tucker's, not Mel Tucker. No. Mel Tucker's is $2 million. He's going to be back. He's going to be back among the hot names again next year if they have a good season. And we don't know what Mario's deal is because it's a private school. Um, so, yeah, it, it's everybody's like they want to feel secure, but some of these are only kind of a one-way commitment. Yeah, and it just it, it resets these markets. There's guaranteed money, like there's never been. I mean, it's just it's it's wild. And the Miami thing, when you were just kind of outlining how much money they spent to even just get him in the door, makes me think of what Texas did last year. Obviously, Texas, you know, brings in the most money out of everyone else, but to bring in Steve Sarkeesian, and then you don't have the season you want, you blow a bunch of leads, you have a lot of frustrations, off-field issues, all these things. And you just spent all of this money to bring this person in and you're putting all your eggs in this basket. And then what happens when it gets uncomfortable? I mean, Miami is a place where th this fan base turned so quickly on Manny Diaz from when they contend and they're interesting to now this is a disaster. It, like, I, I just, the, the, I know that's why the money's there, right? Like this is a, this is, you know, these are high pressure jobs and they're they're It does turn quickly. But it's just, it's getting, it's getting crazy. I mean, it's been crazy, but it's getting even more crazy. And I just don't know what happens at these places where you do shell out this kind of money the second there's a loss that is bad. The second that, you know, you, you don't reach a bowl game or you reach a, a bowl game you don't think you should be playing in. I mean, it's... Matt, Matt, Wells, Matt Wells got fired at 5-3. and three. <laughs> Right, right year, before they were bowl Texas eligible. Tech. Yeah, right. <laughs> they were going to be bowl eligible, and they ended up being bowl eligible. But there, there was this kind of feeling, and some, some, some people have mentioned this to me, which is like, there's a moment where the fans will just decide you're not the guy, and you can't win them back, or, or it's right. really hard to win them. You have to have a Jim Harbaugh type season this year to win them back, and that was the case with Manny Diaz. It was the case with Matt Wells, and. Can you afford to go on another year with disinterested fans? Nicole, you and I, we wrote this at the beginning of the pandemic where some ADs were thinking, hey, this could bring these coaching salaries down. Everyone's going to have to make cuts. There's not going to be as much money to throw around. And then we talked to some agents and they said, no, they're going to realize that football is even more important now because that's the only moneymaker that they have. And lo and behold, that's how it is. You can't afford to not be making as much money as possible in football. And to do that, you need to have a coach that fans believe in. Yeah, you got they have they have them over a barrel. That's it, essentially right. Like they have them over a barrel. If you have a guy that you think you like, even a little bit, you put all your eggs in that basket. And so it's, I don't know. I, I think at the end of the day, somebody's going to have to say no. And that's who's going to be the person that says no. I don't know. Who's going to be the school that says no? I don't know. I don't know who's going to be, but somebody's going to have to say no. 
We th- and they're going to have to tell somebody to tell their story walking. We, th- we thought we had that when Lincoln Riley said, I'm not going to go to LSU. That was like, oh, right. okay, maybe maybe it's – Mel Tucker's staying. James Franklin's staying. Lincoln Riley's staying. Maybe maybe, maybe it's not going to be so crazy. And then two days later, Lincoln Riley goes to USC. Twelve hours later. <laughs> Brian Kelly goes to LSU, yeah. and we're back on it again. Yeah, it's yeah, – it's, I- yeah, it's, it's it's a mess, and it, it's going to be fascinating to see. I mean, like, do you guys – okay, like, right now, knee-jerk reaction, December 7th, Felder, does Mario Cristobal win like Miami wants him to win? No. Chris? Does he win a national championship? No. Does he – Does he does win he, an ACC title? Does he reach ACC championship games? Yes. Does he win an ACC title? Yeah, I'll say he wins, you know, maybe one or I think considering that Clemson's staff is uh, going to look very different here, I think that's I think that's mm-hmm. possible. I mean, I think the ACC could be more open, and uh, I, I'll go with you on that. I definitely get to ACC championships, and and I'll say he'll win one too. But Miami's only about. ever been to Miami's been to one ACC one. championship game, and it's been sixteen, seventeen years since they joined the and conference. They split. Them and Florida State, so that they're they not even in, they're not even in the hard division. Hey, listen, this is Pitt's division now. I mean, just just think about. It. I mean, that's how down Miami has been. That's why every you know every year you hear the program alumni throwing their hands up in the air, being upset that they're not winning national championships. They're not even making ACC championships, and mm-hmm. and, and that's a that's that's a fair thing to be really upset about if you're Miami. Well, the other here's the other thing for me, and this is something that I will I, like. I do applaud USC for going out and getting Lincoln Riley. Right? They started this transition with Graham Harrell. They've fully made a move with Lincoln Riley. Right? This whole idea of and I was uh, listening to Max Brown, who's a friend of mine, listening to him talk about it. It's not going to be what they thought they always wanted, which is that pro style attack, and it's not them trying to reclaim the Pete Carroll era. This is them making a hard break transition into something different. Something new, something different, something modern. And maybe it works out for him. I hope it does. The crystal ball hire, for me, feels very much like what we've seen USC already be doing, what Manny Diaz was, which is this, if we could just, it's, it's, there's a complete and there's a magnificent difference between we're back and we're good. And if you spend all your time trying to be back to get back to the eighties, to get back to 2001, if you're Miami, to get back to those teams, you're not moving forward. You're trying to bring the past up. And I don't know if Mario Cristobal, cause he's going to come and he's going to talk about we're reconnecting with all of our alumni and we're, 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 we're bringing, we're going to get, it's going to get back to the old Miami and we're going to do this. And like, that's not, that's not what you need. You need new. Like, you got to have new. Manny Diaz was supposed to be the bridge to the past that connected them to the future. You don't need a bridge. You need a new island that you live on where you make things work. That's how you build paradise. And I just think it's going to be interesting to see how this works out. But I'm very, like, even, like, and Chris, you, you have, you know, pretty intimate knowledge with Michigan State, right? Mel Tucker is a completely different thing. Complete, he's completely different. This isn't let's keep building on what D'Antonio did because he got us to the playoff. This is 
a different approach and a different, it's a different approach to recruiting. It's a different approach in terms of belief to the players, a different approach to systems. It's not going back to when we made it to the playoff with Connor Cook. It's, hey, this is our new thing that we're doing that's new, that's going to be better, that's going to get us to the playoff, that's going to get us in position where we want to be. And I want to see Mario Cristobal do that because I don't want to hear about, listen, I love Ed Reed. I think he's great. I think he's fantastic. I like Vince Young. Really great college football player. I remember when I was playing college football and seeing Vince Young and being like, I didn't know humans could do that. Don't need either one of them to be what you're aiming for as a program because what you have to do is realize that football's different. Football's change. Recruiting's change. Recruiting's different. We need new stuff, and we got to push forward. And I want to see if Mario Cristobal can push forward because this feels like we got a guy that used to play here. We got a guy that's from the area. We can get back to what we've been doing. We can get back to when we were good. And if I hear we can get back one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. I will say, though, that I, I a lot of those things you listed, I do think is how he's going to change the program, the recruiting, the the whole yeah. how you run the program day to day. That's what he did at Oregon. He, he built an SEC recruiting good. type machine there. And he's going to have the resources to to do that at Miami, finally, which they've never had before. And, and, and to hire and, who he needs to. Right, they're they're well. going to have the assistants he wants. They're going to have the recruiting department he wants. Um, so so that's where I think the floor is really going to rise at Miami, without a doubt. But can the ceiling get to where it wants to go, Felder? I think that's where your biggest question is, and I think that's a fair yeah. question, considering you know Cristobal never got them to the playoff. Right, and and yeah. the way that what they else? the way that they face planted. Yeah, I mean, listen, you get your your teeth kicked in. There's nothing you can do about it. And I was talking to our friend, our friend of all of ours, right? Stephen Hartzell. I was talking to him about, I said, how many points is neutral site worth? How many points is neutral site worth? And guess what? Neutral site was worth three points. So you lose by 31 and then you lose by 28. Okay. <laughs> Not enough, buddy. Let's go. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, let's 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 shift gears and talk a little bit about Heisman. The finalists were announced Monday night. There are four of them. So so I believe and Chris can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe they're still doing basically they pick the amount of finalists based on where there's like a massive drop off on the vote. Um, and so the, the 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 four finalists are Bryce Young of Alabama, Aiden Hutchinson of Michigan, CJ Stroud of Ohio State and Kenny Pickett of Pitt. Um my first reaction to this is that we, I mean, I feel like this is the reaction most years, but especially when it's an actually a, a hard vote like this year, um, is that we've got way too many people voting and people continue to just look at quarterback stat lines 
And especially when you have a lot of too many people voting and a lot of people that don't even work in the industry or when we watch games, uh, you're going to end up with that. So I, you know, I'm glad to see there's one defensive player. I would like to see more. I, I still, I keep thinking about something Ari Wasserman said on this feed that when he, you know, was first getting a Heisman vote, someone had given him advice and said, you know, I think about what is the story of the season and what player best exemplifies that. Most years it is, especially in this era of college football, it is, you know, a quarterback. You know, we've had seasons where it's a transfer quarterback, right? And that, that is the story of the season. That is the team that we're all talking about, the guys that we're watching, the people who are impacting the season the most. And then, you know, this season, especially prior to, to the SEC championship game, is these defensive guys. These defenses were, were disrupting games and, and defining the season. And then Bryce Young did that as well in the SEC championship game. He was just unreal. He changed the season. He changed the way we think about different teams, top teams. He, he kept Alabama alive and got them a number one seed. So, like, there's, there's things like that that – Alive? They beat the pants Well, he kept them the alive George. in the Iron Bowl. They don't do what they did in the <laughs> final minute of the Iron Bowl and in overtime they don't even get that, that position because they have two losses. Maybe they don't – well, they still beat Georgia that way. They still make the playoff. But regardless, <laughs> he changed he, he, the season. He, he, saved, he saved them in that game. He didn't have a good game, but at the, but the end – Saved them in that game and then – they needed them just totally changed the way that we look at the season and, and Georgia and, and everything that they had done to this point, who we think about as, as title favorites and all these things. So like that's, so I'm good with that. I wish we had a couple more defensive players. I wish we had more finalists. Kenneth Walker should be a finalist. Will Anderson should be a finalist. Um, but my, my, that was my overall thing. This was a hard vote. This was an actual hard vote. You needed to actually watch, Teams play and defenses play, and people did not seem to do it. You you made the point about story of the season, and I heard that from Ari, and I always I thought that was a pretty good uh, way to kind of look at it too, but not necessarily in terms of who wins, but in terms of who the finalists are. And yeah. so when I saw three out of the four finalists are quarterbacks, my first thought was that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel like this season that three quarterbacks and one defensive player kind of exemplified how this season went along. I believe they should have five finalists every time. I don't care. Take five players to New York. Like, just give it to us. Give that experience to as many people as you can. Who cares what the final tally is or whatever? Uh, those of us who have Heisman votes are not allowed to reveal them until after the ceremony because I think way back in the day, there was that one person who kind of like accumulated all the things that people said about their ballot and tried to predict it basically. And that kind of got shut down. But. Yeah, I mean, C.J. Stroud, you know, good player, had a good year, but Heisman finalist, uh, I, I, I don't know. I think you can deduct from there whether or not he was on my ballot. Uh, yeah, I, I, and I also think for sure, I mean, it seems clear, if everybody values quarterbacks, Bryce Young's winning this thing on Saturday. Yeah, listen, I don't have a vote. Don't want one. They couldn't. I listen. They'd have to pay me to take one. I, I, I. Ooh, I almost said the f word. Um, <laughs> I l- listen. You're talking to someone. I've been cut out of like we did a Turner did a package uh, back when I was at BR. Turner did a package, and I said the award is stupid and it does suck. And then they cut me out of the package. I am. This is not like hindsight Felder. This is very on brand foresight Felder. Like I, 
I think it's ridiculous the idea that the best player can't be on defense. And it's been that way for essentially the eternity of the award, with the exception of Charles Woodson, who had to play offense and special teams to win the award. So I don't think it's a good barometer of anything except for people who don't watch football, who don't know much about football, who only think that quarterbacks are good. And it's become acutely focused at that. You think about that. It's interesting. You mentioned Ari Wasserman. You mentioned the, the, the story of the season because it's less story of the season to me. And it's more about the era of football that we're in. Right. It used to be always running backs win the highs. Why? Because they ran the ball every single play. And then that shifted to, oh, we throw the ball a lot. So now it's all quarterbacks getting the ball, all, all quarterbacks getting the award all the time, with the exception, obviously, of Devonta Smith. And you throw in, whether it's like a Mark Ingram or a Derrick Henry, like, oh, we couldn't vote for their quarterback because those quarterbacks weren't that good. So we'll, we'll give it to another guy on that team. But the reality of it is, for me, it really does speak to a massive disconnect like the fact that Will Anderson's not going to be involved. He's in going to break the tackle for loss record. Thirty-one and a half and tackles he, for and, loss. And he's That's not even going to win. He's not even going to win any of these awards, any of these season-ending awards, because oh. people like and what it, people watching this this Alabama team. No, they're just looking at the stat line for the quarterback. I, I think I think Will Anderson won the Nagurski last night. I mean, he'll get some defensive awards and stuff, but. Yeah, sure. he, he's, but he's, I, he should be in these, these all-position awards. I mean, this is a guy – I mean, he has – he's got more sacks than Hutchinson. Yep. He's got more tackles for loss yep. than Hutchinson. And that's not a knockout. I think they both yep. should be. Yep. It's remarkable. It's It just – for me, I don't care. I know that on Saturday night I'm going to be enjoying a, a nice bowl of first Friday – first Saturday off chili – that I get to make with the fam. Are you gonna put? Are you gonna, gonna put that great. chili on a hot dog? <laughs> no, no, this isn't hot. This is a hot dog chili. This is a bowl. This is a chili All in right. a bowl, man. This is chili Chris, in a bowl. You, this Chris, is. This you made is... too many trips to Cincinnati. This I had year. to bring this it. Weird. I had to bring it back. I, mean, <laughs> I know, but also chili. I think you're just. I think you're just. You're, you're too Cincinnati. I mean, now. I'm just saying. We're, he he didn't want to go, but we're, we were that close to it possibly happening. <laughs> at home. This is chili in a bowl. No, I. But here's the other part. If you want to talk about quarterbacks with me. Where's Bailey Zappi? Uh, yep. Ooh, he, reaching he, the choir. Where's Bailey's? So, like, I, I wrote some stuff down. Yep. Like Bailey Zappi, you want to talk to me oh, about? Man. Do it. You want to like fifty-six touchdowns right he's now, gonna right? Sixty. Yeah, he's going to hit sixty. That's going to be but who? The only other guy that threw sixty is what? Joe, Joe Burrow. Sixty is the record. That's it. He's going to hit the number. Um, he like how is he not in the same zone as Ladainian Tomlinson, Marshall Falk, Drew Brees? How's he not in that same world with those guys? And obviously. If I'm not mistaken, none of them won the Heisman he, either. Marshall Falk right. was the runner-up. Zappy's Zappy's going to have six thousand passing yards at, by the end of the bowl game. That is never, that's going to be. He's look, like two hundred yards away from the record of, for passing yards. If you want to, if you're if you're a stat watcher, give him the numbers. Give it di- didn't do it. Give it to him. Oh, but because this no, guy be, is doing things that nobody else has oh, ever because done. Because then we're just going to move the goalposts, and people are going to say, "Oh, it can't be a Western Kentucky quarterback." Level of competition. Yeah, is, like, there's just people come up with reasons to put the Alabama and the Ohio State quarterbacks in these in these to, on their the, ballot. The, the, here's the the problem. It's yes, it's moving the goalposts, but the other part of it is is they don't watch. Well, him. that too. They don't. You don't watch him. Why? Because I know you're not watching. And this is one of the, my. And I think you're right. I think there needs to be some sort of a. I think you. I think you got to answer some sort of a questionnaire. With your vote, and it's like you know, you know how it's like, and it can't be like an open book test. Right. Like you can't answer it while you're Googling things on the Internet to find to fill out the answers. 
like it's got to be a hard questionnaire of what you who you think is good, why you think they're good. Do this. Like you should have to do more than just write names in. And I just am. I don't know. I feel uninspired uh, by it. I, I think that the interesting part for me is this year, I'm very curious to see what the ratings are like for the show. Because this is a year where the ratings should be up, right? They've been going down for a number of years now. Exactly. But this is a year they should be up because we don't know who's going to win. And we have no idea. It's so wide open, or it should be so wide open, that people should have to tune in to your hour-long stroke fest to figure out who gets the award. Now, I want to see if people tune in because I think that's another interesting element of this. That's why they put that hard line on not revealing your ballot so that nobody can do that. You can't have the stiff arm trophy, do the predictor and all that stuff. So let's see if that works. Otherwise. Could be a press release. If you had, if you had Will Anderson and Kenneth Walker among your finalists and you take out either CJ Stroud or Pickett and you've got a real diverse group of guys, it would feel a lot more wide open. Since we know Kenneth Walker's not close, since we know Will Anderson's yep. not close. Keep, keep CJ Stroud mm-hmm. in the group, but bring all of them. But Why uh, can't if, you have if, six if, of them? If you know Anderson and Walker aren't in it, then you know it's quarterback. And if it's quarterback, you know it's Bryce Young. And, and that's yes. what we're all going to be expecting so, on Saturday. Here, there's a couple things they could do to fix this. You could let people talk about their votes. Just... Just don't have someone do like a, a survey thing, but like it would it would build no, exce- it, it would there's build, no energy around. We're not going to we're not going to talk about it all week because we're not allowed. This to This will be about the only it. conversation. People cannot write the columns. I voted for this person. Why? You can do it after the fact, but nobody cares after the fact. Nobody cares after. People no barely cares. care going in. They kind of care this year because Kenneth Walker and Will Anderson were trending on Twitter for 24 hours because people were upset about this. And people were upset because Kenneth Walker got dinged because of Michigan State's pass defense. And Will Anderson got dinged because the quarterback bias and the fact that people aren't actually watching, I guess, Alabama's defense actually play. But like you could. So, okay, so let people talk about it. Let us have five finalists so that you can go deep and the Bailey Zappies of the world actually get votes. Because even if maybe you didn't think they were one of the three best players in the country, maybe they were the fourth. And they would give some votes and they would be an accurate representation because you could actually go deeper into your ballot and cull the list. Look at everyone who's voting who doesn't work in college football anymore. How much are they watching? Like, that's your point about a quiz. Like, it's a combination of keep it, it for life. It's a combination of two things. It's one, the people who don't follow college football, for one, but it's also really tough for beat writers. Who watch who watch one team all year, and they just they don't have time to. If you're if you cover a Big Ten team, you don't have time to watch Alabama and know what the difference is between Bryce Young and Will Anderson, and that's tough. And yep. I understand wanting to include people across the country from different beats, different conferences, and all that stuff. But it does make it hard, um, you know. Mm-hmm. And as you know, Nicole, as national writer, sometimes we go out to a game. It's really hard to follow what happened throughout the day when that happens, as opposed to sitting home and watching every game. That's that's the value that I have. That's that's literally when I'm when I was when I get when I got hired when I got hired to BR when I got hired to state when I get hired, I said, "Hey man," they're like, "And so do you want to? How many games do you want to go to?" I said, "None. I don't want to go to any games because if I go to a game, it makes my life harder. It makes my Monday suck. It makes my Sunday suck. 
because I do have to spend the time to watch all this stuff to speak with it on authority. So just let me be at home on Saturday. Let me do my job, which is watch all these games. And then let me rewatch on Sunday and Monday. And if you're a beat writer, you don't have time to do all of those things. And listen, I lean on beat writers in a huge way. I think that they do a job that I could never do because they are intimately involved and focused in and dialed in on a program. But that also leads to a blind spot with respect to, oh, I don't ever watch Western Kentucky. I don't ever watch. I guess what? I've never seen Kenneth Walker because they play at noon on, on, on Saturday. And guess what? So does my team. So I'm there and I'm there from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. Once the pressure wraps up and I, and I file my story and then maybe I go home and I have a whiskey and watch the late game, but like, or the primetime game, excuse me, but like, that's the reality of it. And I think to not, especially as, and we've talked about this plenty of times before, but as we nationalize a regional sport, it really shows the segmentation of the regions in a massive way. Midwest is going to, Midwest is going to vote for CJ Stroud. The Southeast is going to vote for Bryce Young. If that's the way that it works. And then we'll see what happens from the Southwest and from the West coast. But yeah, that's the way that it works. There was one year where I, now looking back, I believe Christian McCaffrey was a runner up to Derrick Henry. Am I right on that? Okay. So, so looking back and certainly on, you know, what Derrick Henry has been able to accomplish, like it's, sure. it was, it was a valid vote, but in, in the moment I voted for Christian McCaffrey. And I remember every national writer that I talked to that year voted for Christian McCaffrey. No one else stayed up to watch 1030 Eastern kicks. And that's why Christian McCaffrey didn't win the Heisman, in my estimation, because people are do default. But there's also a lot of Southeastern voters who are not going to definitely not going to watch Pac-12 football. And, sure. you know. You know, Stanford did everything they could. They had a website that had all of these clips, all of these highlights, all of this mm -hmm. explanation of what he was actually doing so you could feel like you were watching it. But it, that, that's such an important piece. And there were people in the Midwest, because now I live in Chicago, people were talking about, I feel like I need to vote for Kenneth Walker in my top three because of the region. I feel like other people in other regions are not going to vote for him because they didn't play this weekend, because, you know, they didn't reach a Big Ten championship game, all these things. So there's a lot of problems with the way that it's it's done. And, you know, if you want it to just be a quarterback award, whatever, there are quarterback awards. It doesn't need to be. It can be the best player. But they already they, have they their have own like award. Three awards. They have like th they three have awards for quarterbacks. But this is like the athletic, we do a straw poll. We have a lot of beat writers, but we have beat writers who talk to each other and listen right. and want to find out who the best players are so that they can go make sure that they go watch them or that they're keeping up with them. And so I think our straw poll has been really effective and it shows that if you have people who work in football, engage with the sport, we'll make time, value it, make some time to check in. And a collaborative effort. Yes. Then you can find the right people and you can have the right order and the Bailey Zappies of the world get votes and Jordan Davis gets votes well before people started talking about him as, as, as a, a contender for Georgia. And Nicobe Dean gets votes because maybe he's actually Georgia's best defender. I was, I listen, I listen, shout out to Adam Gold and Lauren Brownlow 
they both like they've consistently hit me up about their like their Heisman votes. Like, hey, am I missing something? What about this? What about that? And Brownlow and I had a long conversation about Jordan Davis, and I was like, I think I think the Kobe Dean and Nolan Smith are probably more important and better. And I'll say this: after watching the game on Saturday, I think ninety five. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, probably more important too. He's a guy that decided I might weigh 315 pounds, but I'm going to run every single play and be in the game. So yeah, it just, you have to, it's a, it does take, Hey, what's my blind spot? What am I missing? And I don't think there's a, especially if you're somebody that was a beat writer for the Dothan Eagle in 1997. And now all of a sudden you write finance for some other newspaper in Mississippi. Like, guess what? You're not doing anything involved with the sport, and you're certainly not making an effort to do that collaborative thing. And that's no that's no knock on the Dothan Eagle. That's no knock on what their job is. What it, it's more speaking to, there's a lot of people, and I don't think folks realize this. There's a lot of folks who are really removed. Yeah, from I'm, I'm like, always surprised sometimes you, when I see someone who has high. It's like some yeah. radio host who doesn't even do the show anymore. And like right, they're doing like talk radio. Yeah, they got like They got it. They got to fix it because it, it, this is. Yeah, you yeah. Do, I, it's not. It's not a great thing to say. There's 900 voters. Yeah. like that Heisman, doesn't make me feel yeah. good about it. Heisman, clearly, Heisman <laughs> Trust. If you're listening, make the make the vote exclusive to the athletic plus Felder plus Lauren. And I think nah, we've got a good. Don't. Okay, Felder doesn't Just have to sure be. Make sure they're in it, actively good, good. engaged <laughs> in the sport. I mean, like, like okay, for example, Nicobe Dean finished ahead of Jordan Davis and ours. He got a first place vote. That is, that means that person's watching college football. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of issues. Well, and again, you know, the way that this is shaking out, it certainly looks like it's going to be a quarterback award. It certainly looks like it's going to be Bryce Young's award. On Saturday, and yep. he will be deserving, and we will be happy for him. I like watching the Heisman show because they do all these cool stories on all these players, especially in a year like this. These guys deserve the spotlight. Um, but there's lots of ways to fix this and make us feel a lot better about it and actually honor and find the best players in college football. So please, Heisman Trust, hit us up. We will help you fix this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We will now move on to our flavor of the week, which is what we're cooking and who we like on the field right now. And no one's playing right now, so we can be a little bit loose with this. And um, yes. But Felder, you already mentioned this, so let's hear about this chili that you've got coming on Saturday. Yeah, first free Saturday chili. I, I love it. It's going to be a little chilly, although I'm not excited that it's going to be 50 degrees here on Monday, maybe. Not thrilled about that. But I, listen, I get my Saturdays back. And for, for me... Coaches are also thinking the same thing, right? The season's done. They got to get into the recruiting world. 
signing day is in a, in a what a week and a half is that correct is that a week a week actually probably so it's a labor of love though and you got to spend the time you got to put in the work and you got to build that roster and i do the same thing with chili and so for me with chili labor of love i am a ggl guy and by the it's good good life but also i like it i like ground i like grilled and i like a link so we're going probably grab we're going to go ground beef we're going to go with a grilled skirt steak in there. And we're going to also going to go with like an andouille link. All I like to put all that in there. I'm stuffing the chili full of flavor. We are, these are all five stars that are going to be in the mix to make the best chili. And I think it's really, now that I think about it, like that's what a football team is, right? It's a bunch of ingredients that go together to make something great. And that's what this chili is going to be for me. I know those coaches are going to be out on the road. I don't envy them at all. Um, knowing what their schedule's like and how it works. And especially now with the accelerated signing day or the early signing period that accelerates the, the, the evaluation phase and the, the courting phase, if you will, I'm, I'm going to be happy to kick my feet up, cook some chili, just enjoy it. I'm, I'm a sucker for this stuff. I love it. Well, I'm going to piggyback on your uh, flavor of the week because it sounds delicious. And I have not made <laughs> anything in a slow cooker in a while and it feels like a slow cooker Saturday because it is cold it's like I mean as we're recording this I think it's like it feels like 10 10 or 15 degrees today so just it feels like 19 degrees feels like feels like 22 snow starting in 18 minutes great hey get hey it's it's currently like uh 40 here in Texas but uh guess what it's gonna be on Friday nope I don't want to I don't want to know 81 81 you got it 81 oh my god 81 (laughs) Jesus well, yeah, we, we have winter here, which you used to know, but it's chili season. I think I'm going to do it. I've never put that many different meats in my chili, but I think to your point about the five star thing, like, am I, have I just been like, have I been taking three star ground beef and just trying to make it a five star? Is that what I'm doing with all my spices and stuff? Like maybe I need to just upgrade the meat that I'm yeah. using in my chili. I'm, I'm enough. Listen, I, I grind all my own meat already. So that's how we get that done. Cause I'm a player developer. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I developed my own players. So I grind my own meat. I didn't have time to make my own sausage, but the next pot of chili in January absolutely will have Felder homemade mm. sausage in there. Homemade stuff, link sausage that I, that I smoke and grill you, you, up. You, so you yeah, get, absolutely. You've got a fence around the house. You're, you, you've got the, 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 the homegrown uh, meats are going to be the ones you lean on. Oh, absolutely. Listen. I thought you were going to get a little graphic there about like he's raising these animals for slaughter as well. But oh, one listen, one if, I'm, I'm, I'm not that far removed from that. <laughs> Once I get home and get my farm, you better believe everything's going to come straight from Felder. Far, you want to talk about farm to table, farm to my table. And farm it's going to Felder. Down. I love it. I love it. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited. Um, I threw it up on the bulletin this weekend, actually, because I'm so excited about it. But I love to put, whether it's dark chocolate, coffee, or dark beer into the chili, mm. depth of flavor. Absolutely love that. I also, I have this, this is a weird thing, but I do not like the feel of herbs, like in between my teeth or on my tongue. I, I don't like it. Cheesecloth is your best friend. Cheesecloth, you wrap those herbs in cheesecloth, you bruise those bad boys down, and you get all the flavor that you want, and then you can take the cheesecloth out, and you don't have to worry. Like, I don't like when I bite into when I'm eating like soup or chili or anything and I get like 
a piece of rosemary mm-hmm. like in my mouth. I don't like that. So cheesecloth is your best friend. I absolutely love it. And roasted garlic. Shout out to roasted garlic. Are you if you're not roasting your garlic, you're sleeping on it, man. I'm telling you, roasted garlic, great garlic flavor, squeezes out like toothpaste. I, I could do this all day. I don't want to hijack Cr- the rest Christy, of this. But Chris, yes, are you it. cooking anything? I have no plans. Like this is my first weekend in forever as well. And I don't, I I honestly, I'm not used to thinking four days out because I haven't been in that mood for months. (laughs) I'm going to try to get together with Ari Wasserman. We've just been so busy. I haven't seen him in a couple months really here in Dallas since he had his kid. Uh, So we're going to do something. I got to figure out what that is though. Um, But uh, bringing it back around to Chile. I'm not going to say the Skyline Chili is on the level of what Felder is making here. I, I wouldn't insinuate such a thing. But if you are in Cincinnati, you got you got to try it. And for anybody listening, if you make it to Cincinnati at some point, you got to try the local delicacies. Uh, they they load that thing with shredded cheese, something I, I you're probably not into, uh, Felder. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I got some on my way out last week, and uh, Stuart Mandel are. are our boss Nicole, who is from Cincinnati, uh, was was very um, was very jealous and, and appreciative of the decision I made uh, in the airport. So that was well, cool. and it's you know what I'm not even I'm, I I know I said stuff earlier, but right now, shouts to Cincinnati for getting it done, for making yeah, the playoff, and, and and I love that Chris that you 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 were talking about the field storm and being like in it. I love that they got to celebrate it that way. That they knew that they knew that they'd be in, and that it wasn't dicey. That they weren't nervous. Yes, they got and to le- celebrate it. And let me explain Nippert Stadium real quick. It is like a hundred years old. It's in. It's been renovated. It's, it's right in the center. It's right in the middle of campus, and mm-hmm. and there's 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 like no barriers to get to the field. Anybody can get yeah. there at any time. And I, I tweeted about it over the weekend and I had a bunch of Cincinnati alumni, alumni being like, Oh yeah. Sometimes you just had to cross the field to get to class. Cause that was yeah, the it's right way to the... go. Yeah. Or, or some people saying, you know, one night I was drunk and I just fell asleep on, on at midfield and I woke up a few hours later and, and, and there's a, a real sense of the fans kind of owning that field and owning that stadium. And, and you got that sense by being there. And, and, and an hour after the game, on Saturday, the, the the area where the press conference is, it's just in the corner of the field, and anybody could get there. And so Luke Fickle was signing every autograph, taking every picture that they wanted, and and it was just a really cool setting of, of, of a sense of community and everybody knowing that, hey, they finally reached this point. There's no arguments. There's no debates. They're there, and everybody got to enjoy it, and it was a really cool scene. And we're we're already kind of celebrating and cheersing, so let's let's officially get into the last call. Oh, this yeah. is our segment when we do celebrate things, we cheers to things, we rant, we rave. Um, Chris, do you want that to be your last call? Is your last call to Cincinnati? Uh, it, it's a mix. It's Cincinnati as well as American Commissioner Mike Rusco, uh, who has really been banging the drum for five plus years on an American team getting into the playoff. And yes, Cincinnati's leaving the conference in a few years, but it still means something to everybody in that conference, which was yeah. which was basically left for dead uh, after realignment 10 years ago. You know, Louisville was in this league for a year. Rutgers was in it. There was a lot of changes. The basketball team split off and took the Big East name with them. 
And this was kind of just a collection of teams. And within 10 years, it became a really strong conference that has produced several undefeated teams that didn't even get consideration by the committee. So I, I saw Oresco on the field before the game, right after the Baylor-Oklahoma State finish. And I said, hey, did, did, you, see, did you see what happened? And he kind of smiled. And he said, well, the Bearcats need to, to take care of business first. Because he, he knew if Cincinnati was in, if Cincinnati won, they would be in. And even afterward, he didn't quite want to celebrate yet. He said he didn't want to jinx it. He didn't want to make the committee mad at him. Uh, but it's it's certainly, I know, a good feeling for everybody at the American Athletic Conference to to finally break through and be that team to get in. Well, um, yeah, cheers to them. And cheers to everyone that won a conference title this this this, this season. I think it's just, again, we, 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 foc- we hyper-focus on the coaching staff and the playoff and I just want to give all those teams, like, just give them their, their just desserts. They, they absolutely deserve it. Like, it's super awesome. Uh, my cheers, the season's done. I'm happy. It's not bittersweet for me. Like, it's just sweet. I'm tired. I need to get those Saturdays back. I want, and more important than Saturdays, I need to get Mondays back. Like, to have Mondays back, my kid has swim lessons. I haven't been to a single swim lesson. With and to go to, I get to go to a swim lesson for the first time this coming up week. And I'm super pumped about it. And it's one of those things that like, you just, I don't, I don't think a lot of folks think about it. And I'm not saying woe is me, but I'm just like, man, I'm tired. I'm beat down. Body hurts. I can finally get back to some, a different type of, type of schedule. And all it takes is, you know, 15 weeks of, of, of staying up until three in the morning and getting stuff done, but we made it. So I just want to say cheers to, Everybody that works in the space, everyone that, that does the work, that 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 whether it's beat writer, national writer, blogger, podcaster, whatever, it's a lot of work, and we made it. So pour one, pour one out, man. This is good. It's good. Will you be in the pool for the swim lesson? No, 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 no. This is the only instructor in the pool. Okay. One of the big things. Listen, as someone who has taught swim lessons. I taught swim lessons for years when I was right after college. I taught swim lessons. And one of the biggest things is like you have those mommy and me swim classes, but then the kid gets um, hooked on their parents Mm. and then the parent becomes sort of a crutch. And so you do it without the parent in the water. So the parents only on the deck so they can see their parent, but they don't get in the pool, helps them recognize their own ability to be strong in the water. We don't have to go into all this. I just, Yes, I've 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 got a lot of experience with swim lessons. Okay, all right. Well, I'm glad you'll be able to go to the first one. It, it I guess ever uh, first one of the season, whatever that is. My first, my my first okay. one. She's been going for 15. Okay, weeks. yeah. So she's probably <laughs> she's basically an Olympian at this point. Uh, my my last call is to our listeners. Um, this feed is very fun. It is very different depending on the day. It is chaotic. Um, you are. The constant, you are enjoying it, you love this sport, and really we've been able to do extra shows and add different things like Power Hour and all of our different fun segments because you guys listen, and we just wanted to to thank you for hanging with us and and to the delirious podcast we record at two in the morning, the ones we do you know at the crack of dawn, the emergency podcast, and all of that. Um, I just want to thank you for listening and and especially our Power Hour listeners. You know, as a reminder, if you're not already an athletic subscriber, you can sign up at theathletic.com slash Nicole for a very special deal on an annual subscription. This feed, which I was just mentioning, has lots of different offerings throughout the week. 
One True Pod is up later this week with Max Olson, Jason Kersey, and Sam Kahn. Andy Staples and Ari Wasserman will be back with their usual antics later this week. And we will be back next Tuesday for the next episode of Power Hour. For Chris Vanini and Michael Felder, I'm Nicole Auerbach. Thank you for listening.